All right, let's talk a little NBA with uh, Ira Windeman, who joins us now as the NBA moves a little deeper into the playoffs. Ira, welcome. How are you? I'm good, Mike, and a, a smart play. Skip the NBA regular season. It's not worth anyway. Like a lot of players, welcome back for the playoffs. Thank you. And, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's such an odd uh, situation with the playoffs, in mm-hmm. the East especially. I mean, we know Cleveland's limping, and Indiana has to feel they let him get away. Yeah. Uh, LeBron's alo- uh, heroics aside, uh, so, you know, Boston's not at full strength. They go out and beat Philly game one. Philly's got the talent. They're obviously very green. And then you have Toronto. So when you look at the East right now, give me what your thoughts are. My thoughts are anyone other than Boston who wants to win the East, this is your one chance. Because we're watching the Celtics not only without an injured Kyrie and without an injured Hayward, but they also have additional draft flexibility coming together, that that they are the colossus that's looming. That a year from now, we're seeing what we've seen from Brown. We're seeing what we've seen from Tatum. You're going to put Kyrie in there. You're going to put Hayward in there, or maybe Kawhi in a trade. They're the next it thing. You're also seeing LeBron on fumes. And, Mike, that game last night was so hard to watch for this reason. We love our superstars because of the grace and ease of what they do. When we watch Michael, when we watch Magic, when we watch Larry, it was, it was the way they did it without having to go to the absolute extra that LeBron is. I, I, I've never felt LeBron to be a pitiable figure. But you know what? Even in victory, I did last night and against this, the Pacers, because what they're asking him to do is more than any superstar should be asked to do. I don't know what happened to Kevin Love. I believe he's injured. I believe we'll find that out. But otherwise, oh, this great midseason trades by Kobe Altman. I haven't seen Rodney Hood. I haven't seen Larry Nance Jr. I haven't seen Jordan Clarkson. No. I don't think LeBron's ever been more alone in his career. And they had to go back to the to uh, Thompson and to J.R. Smith yeah. to win the last series. They had to go back to their comfort food, which they knew wasn't enough. Think about all the transitions they made from Kevin Love move and then even trying Dwayne Wade this season, and they're going to find a better way for him. And Ty, Ty Lue realizes that everything is on the absolute last legs. You know, that, that everyone is thinking, depending on what happens to the Cavaliers, that will depend what happens to LeBron. But I can tell you, when LeBron gets back in the locker room and sees those other faces that he just lifted again, this reminds me, Mike, remember the year when LeBron went to the finals before he left for the Heat against the Spurs yep. and the Cavs had no chance. No chance. That and that's what would happen but, this year, too. Yes. Yes. And that's the thing I'm saying is LeBron's not going through this anymore. And if ever there was a window of either Cleveland, you better find something in a hurry between now and the draft or else you're in trouble. I, I think we're on the last legs of the LeBron dy- personal dynasty of, of, NBA, of NBA Finals and Eastern Conference Championships because clearly the next big things are the Celtics number one, the Pacers number, rather the 76ers number two, and honestly maybe even the Pacers number three. Well, the best thing, I was talking about Ira, of course, on NBA, I, I, the best thing that could happen to him, I think, this year is not make the finals. I really believe that because – in the finals, he will get grief for what will happen to them, and they will get destroyed in the finals. Yeah. I mean, they, this team doesn't doesn't deserve to be anywhere near no, a finals. No, they're, they're a bad team. But again, the way the East is playing out, the challenge from the Pacers, and my gosh, they should have had that in Game 5, and they let it go when it turned sour on hey, them. And they could have won and- Game 4. 
Oh, absolutely. And then I look at the Raptors now, who I am disgusted with. Because you, everyone talks about in sports, you position yourself for a chance. You create your year. You get a coming together. The great bench they put together. And then you see the way they folded down the stretch. They didn't trust their bench at the end. They became that isolation team again with DeMar DeRozan, who has shown us the difference, Mike, between star and superstar. And that's what we've seen in the East playoffs. John Wall, Bradley Beal, star, not superstar. Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeRozan, star, not superstar. That's where it's lacking. Ben Simmons, future superstar. Joel Embiid, future superstar. Maybe even Victor Oladipo and Jason Tatum. But some of these teams have been real disappointments right now in the East playoffs. No question. And, you know, uh, I thought the Celtics would win game one. I don't know if they'll win that series. I think Cleveland will absolutely win the series against Toronto. Yeah, and you know what? Again, I'm watching the game last night, and I'm saying to myself this. Toronto, this 12-point lead, this 13-point lead is all well and good. But if you are who you think you are, get it to 20 because you're going to need that little bit extra, that buffer, because LeBron always will at the end, just like that late-season game against the 76ers. That's just who he is, and they never built that buffer big enough. And they left it there, and I think to a degree, Toronto played into the hands of Cleveland, that when Cleveland went big with Tristan Thompson, Toronto stayed big with Jonas Valanciunas, who had an erst wild statistical effort, but couldn't get a layup in the basket at the end. And you just have to wonder. I don't think Tyron Lue is great shakes as a coach. I think Dwayne Casey's a much better coach. But I think everything that had to happen for Cleveland happened in that game. Toronto, Mike, how could Toronto have any confidence in any situation in this series after blowing it the way they did in game one? They're not going to have any. And I didn't think they'd win it anyway. So I, I, I really, uh, but I did expect them to win game one last night. And when they didn't, I said, this is going to be easier than I thought. We're talking with Ira about the NBA. Ira, out west, Utah played well this year. Losing Ricky Rubio kills them of even being mildly competitive in that series. We know what's going to happen out there. New Orleans is, you know, obviously headed in the right direction. We we know what's going to happen there. Do you give Houston any real chance to beat Golden State? I think they can compete, but Mike, the whole thing that all these teams are doing, and I saw it last night with the Pelicans against the Warriors is if you're going to play the other team style, you better be better at the at it than the other team. So even when the Pelicans were hanging close, Alvin Gentry called his timeouts because he realized this pace is not going to win us for us in the end. We can't do Golden State better than Golden State. So do you say to yourself this question, can Houston do Golden State better than Golden State? I don't think so, no. Of course they can't. They don't have the depth of talent. This is when we're going to see Mike D'Antoni as coach of the year a year ago and this year. They've had all season to plan for this. Mike, you know this. This is the chalk in the derby. This is the odds-on favorite getting to the Western Conference Finals, which are really the NBA Finals. So their scouting staff, their coaching staff, Jeff Bizdelic, their defensive wizard, the former New York Knicks assistant and scout, do they have a plan B that they're able to open up? That's what it's going to take. It's going to be the first game of the Western Conference Finals. Houston spent all year pushing it to the end to get home court advantage. Do they have this plan B that Golden State looks out there and goes, whoa, that's a completely different look. That's what they have to have. That's what a great coaching staff does is they throw a twist at you so different, utilizing their talent in a different way. That's what I'm waiting to see if the Rockets are really ready for their moment. I don't think they are, unfortunately. I don't root for Golden State, but I think they're going to win it all, and I think they're going to do it in a rather easy fashion in the finals. If it's a young Sixer team, which has the most talent, Or a beat-up LeBron dragging them in, it's going to be ugly in the finals. I mean, Boston, 
could get there, but again, as well as their coach, the team just doesn't have enough firepower right now. They no, just no, don't. Right now, they have to win it on defense. And, and, and look, Golden State's going to score 110 against anybody. I mean, the great defensive teams, the Pat Riley Knicks defensive teams, they're just going to score their points, so you have to match them. And right now, Al Horford is playing. Now you realize why he's been an all-star all these years. You realize Jason Tatum, what a great trade. Trading down from one and getting a draft pick and getting that, suckering basically the 76ers for that. Jalen Brown, I love. He'll come back. He'll inject more into the mix also, but they don't have enough. The Sixers, who I caught the entire first round with, are so intriguing. Yes, they that are. That if they hit their threes, that, look, they're not Golden State level, but this is what Ilyasova, Bellinelli... But they have Bellinelli, talented Thomas players, and, and Ben Simmons has a chip on his shoulder, too, which you like. He plays edgy, which I like. Oh. He's got talent, and he can play the whole court, and he plays edgy. He's, he's got a lot of Magic Johnson in him because he has that cockiness and brashness. Magic Johnson starts. He doesn't have an outside shot. He'll never be this complete player. He came around with his outside shot that it's serviceable. Ben Simmons and the matchups that he presents, again, the 76ers will be a full-space team depending what they do with Redick in the offseason. They could bring in another stud. They have a chance of getting that Lakers first-round pick if it doesn't go to Boston. They can get another lottery pick to mix in there. That's the whole thing. For these last four years now and going back to the Heat years, everyone in the East has been, how do I beat LeBron? How do I set up my roster? If I'm an Eastern Conference GM, including the Knicks, I'm saying to myself, how do I beat Boston? How do I beat Philadelphia? That's what you have to be locked and loaded for. You no longer need a LeBron stopper. Not that he's stoppable right now, but he's getting on in years that might be gone. But how do I stop the diversity of what Boston is going to throw at me, the diversity of what the Sixers are going to throw at me? It's not just going to be Porzingis in New York. It's not just going to be a single player. You better have depth of talent because Boston's depth of talent, oh my God, Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward and Jason Tatum and Brown in there and Al Horford, you're talking potentially five all-star quality players. So enjoy it in the East this year. But you know what, Mike? Next year, if you're asking me, is it going to be a Golden State runaway? No, because the Boston Celtics and all the pain they went through with Danny Ainge, their time is about coming. What does LeBron do here? That's the question. He's got two more years at the top. I mean, his year this year was terrific. And the minutes played, he played every game. He, he's averaging 34 points in the postseason. I mean, it's remarkable what he's done at this age. Although we've seen him slow down on defense, and he even looked so tired and beat up at the seven in the, in the fourth quarter of that game seven. But that aside, he's got two more years at the top, maybe even a third if he can coast in the regular season with talent around him. Could he go to a lesser city that has talent and be the missing piece? Does it have to be a showcase city like L.A.? What do you think happens to him? Mike, something fascinating is going to happen. Remember last summer when we were all debating what's going to happen to Chris Paul in free agency? And then at the draft, all of a sudden, Chris Paul wasn't a free agent. And he picked up his option year, and the Clippers at the time thought they were getting quality in return, and they made a trade, and he wound up going to Houston to be a free agent this year. Keep this in mind. LeBron right now has a 35 million dollar 35.6 exact player option for next season. LeBron can still dictate where he wants to go and not have to worry about if it's a salary cap space team, if it's the Lakers or the Sixers. He can force the Cavaliers and say, hey, you can get $35 million in players in exchange like the Clippers did for me instead, and I think that's what's going to happen. Because we know, based on his comments this year, there is absolutely no love lost there with Dan Gilbert. Doesn't like the guy. Never really has. You've heard all the stories, including when he left for Miami. He has no allegiance to Kobe Altman, but here's something also about Cleveland. 
He has no allegiance to anyone. It's not like there's been a guy in Cleveland, God bless Tristan Thompson and J.R. Smith, in the short term, who's been LeBron's guy, who he's going to be turning his back on. When Chris Paul left the Clippers, there were some people, even with the differences they had, not as much with Blake Griffin, but with DeAndre Jordan, and said, man, I can't believe Chris Paul is going to leave his guys in a lurch like this. LeBron has no allegiance on that team, honestly, to anyone but LeBron James. I think what happens is this. Whenever the Cleveland's eliminated, whether it's this round Toronto, next round against the Sixers or Celtics, or NBA Finals, that, I think, is the play to LeBron. He's going to sit down there with ownership, with management, and say, trade me to one of these teams, and you can get something in return. Maybe a sign and trade with Kawhi. Maybe something like that in place for Popovich. LeBron really holds all the cards because of his opt-out. I think that's going to be the ultimate play. He will get anywhere that he wants to be because, at worst, the Cavaliers can get $35 million worth of talent in exchange. Can you shed any light on the Knicks' coaching search as far as uh, is there anyone you think is a very bright candidate there or anything you've heard about the Knicks' coaching? See, this is the thing. When I was up in Philadelphia and covering the playoff series there and had a chance to talk to a bunch of people before the whole thing kept growing, it was a little before the Mike Budenholzer thing. There's two things in play right now, Mike. Number one, Mike Budenholzer is the by far of all their candidates the most ready-to-go win-this-year coach. But that's not a win-this-year team. And I think there's a little dance going on for this reason. The Milwaukee Bucks job hasn't officially come open. They just got eliminated in Game 7. Joe Prunty did a nice job there, but not probably enough to keep his job. If I'm Mike Budenholzer and I left Atlanta and money on the table and saw them rip apart my team, I want to go somewhere where I could win. So first you have to say this. What's the best available job out there? By far it'll be Milwaukee. You give me Giannis Antetokounmpo and either Jabari Parker or what you could trade for him and Chris Middleton, I think that's what Mike Budenholzer is made for, built for, and looking for. So we have to see, will the Knicks be good enough, you know, kind enough or whatever, to let Mike Budenholzer wait and weigh the bucks, or are they going to take action? I think what the Knicks need is a developmental patient coach, someone like a David Fisdale, who worked with the Heat first, worked in Memphis, got into his little to-do with Marcus Saul, and it didn't work out there. I think that's the kind of guy they need. But again, in New York, is there the patience to say, we're bringing in a developmental coach, we know we're locked in because of the Joakim Noah contract, we're going to be over the salary cap already for next season, we're going to have patience. So I would say the number one choice is Budenholzer, if you are still in the win-now mode. Otherwise, I would look for someone more developmental. I also love Steve Cliff. I also think he's another guy you can grow with who will develop your players. What's the mode of the Knicks going into next season? Do they believe they're a playoff team? And probably the answer there to every candidate is this. When will Chris Stapps be ready? We know Dolan has come out and said it might not be the start of the season. If, if Chris Stapps isn't ready for the start of the season and the Knicks get into any kind of hole, we know what they couldn't do with their favorable home schedule this season. It's going to be a long season anyway, so why not go for the developmental candidate? Talking with Ira Winderman about the NBA. Ira, is there a team out there, that an owner out there, who's saying, I got young talent, and I'm the one who can make the move and can go put the package together and have a team that can win next year with LeBron James? Is there one guy who thinks he's got the magic formula and the magic mix of guys to get, well, get that done? And again, I was there, and I spoke to people about that. And, Mike, that's Philadelphia. That's what I was and thinking. I was thinking Philly. The two teams I was thinking of, Philly mm-hmm. I was thinking of, and I was thinking of him maybe going and playing with the freaking Milwaukee. 
Yeah, but again, it's LeBron in Milwaukee. And you know, I can't you know, I see him there, but would he right. go to those towns to win a championship is what well, I'm Philadelphia saying. Philadelphia is, uh, is much more East Coast and much right. more and he'd be, and, and, he'd, and that's a lot of talent on that team. Except for one thing. Having witnessed the Ben Simmons phenomenon up close and personal for two weeks, he is dynamic with the ball in his hands. He wouldn't be the same player without the ball in his hands. Now, you can tell me, hey, the Heat made it work with Dwayne Wade. They took the ball out of his hands. He was great with LeBron. I think this is different. Mike, I'm going to give you the perfect example. Let's say you were developing a young Magic Johnson, who I'm comparing Ben Simmons to. Imagine if there was a point where some Lakers coach or executive said, Magic, we want you to move to small forward. Magic, we want you to move to shooting guard. I think he never would have had the same career arc, but they might have won a little bit sooner in that case. So I think the 76ers might be saying this. We've pushed so far. Put LeBron here. We'll worry about Ben Simmons later, and we're the odds-on favorite in the East next season. Maybe. But you know what? Ben Simmons will never become the next Magic or have a chance to be. He needs the ball in his hand. So the other question is, can LeBron, would he be willing, he's so exhausted now anyway, to say, you know what? For three quarters, you have the ball in your hand, Ben Simmons. I've had enough of this work, and let me be the fourth-quarter guy. That's how I think it could work in Philadelphia. Celtics wouldn't go near him, right? I think they have too much in their favor right now, plus Kyrie. And that's the thing. Yeah, he's not going to go back not, with him, right? Yeah, and, and he won't he go to L.A. either, I would think, right? No, L.A. is a little bit interesting because that's a lifestyle thing. You know, at some point, LeBron's going to come to the realization of this. I'm not catching Michael. I'm not going to match his championships. So maybe I can at least establish the lifestyle and go where I want to go. If you add Paul George to the Lakers mix and you add LeBron, they're, they're at least competitive up there, I think, with Golden State and Houston, if not right there. So you have that. There's talk in the Lakers of the trade right now of Brandon Ingram and Kyle Kuzma for Kawhi Leonard. If I have Kawhi Leonard and LeBron James, I'm frightened if I'm any other team. Because, Mike, that's what I was talking about at the top. You're not beating the Warriors at their game, three-point shooting. You're not beating the Rockets at their game, three-point shooting. So come from left field. Come from a completely different style and try to beat them that way. You know what? Kawhi and LeBron and these bruising, strong two forwards, and with Lonzo Ball in there mixed in also, I think that could be effective. To me, the question is, can the Lakers get a plus one for LeBron? Will LeBron be patient enough? to see if the Lakers can get a plus one. Thanks, Ira. We'll chat again. Thank you very much. Always a pleasure. Thank Thanks, you. Ira Windeman back after this.